0: welcome to be set free the radio outreach of Whitefield's Community Church in Longmont Colorado Be set free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Katie Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus today's message comes from our series Desiring the kingdom a study of the books of first and second
1: Kings here is Pastor Nick. Is this even if you were worshiping God at these high places, it still wasn't good? And here's why because according to God's law, the law of Moses, only the priests were allowed to present sacrifices, and those sacrifices were only allowed to be presented at the temple. In Jerusalem. In other words, there was an order that God had established of how this was supposed to take place. And there was a reason for it. It wasn't just like God made up arbitrary rules because he wanted to inconvenience people's lives. No, there was a reason for this. In the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament, we're told in detail how all of the Old Testament sacrifices and the temple and everything that the priests did, it was carefully designed by God to foreshadow the Messiah, Jesus, and what he would do when he came. And so by making sacrifices at the high places, even if you were worshiping the true God, the God of Israel, it was still disregarding what God had said in his word about how sacrifices were to take place and the reason why you might wonder why did people even do this well the the only reason why people would make sacrifices to god at the high places was a matter of convenience. Maybe Jerusalem was far from where you lived, or maybe it would require a couple days, you know, to go there, come back. You have to take some time off of work. You know, you've only got so many days off, so to say. And and so as a matter of convenience, people would um, make sacrifice at these high places rather than traveling up to Jerusalem to do that. So it's a matter of convenience. But I just want to remind us, as we see here that listen sometimes surrendering to the lord and following his word isn't going to be convenient and it's not necessarily supposed to be convenient well hezekiah had the high places removed but that's not the only thing that hezekiah did in second chronicles chapters 29 through 31 we read about some more of the reforms that Hezekiah carried out, especially in regard to the temple. So here are some of the things that Hezekiah did that we read about there in 2 Chronicles. First of all, he reopened the temple. Do you remember that his father had closed the temple down during his time? Well, Hezekiah comes to power, he reopens the temple, and he orders the temple to be cleansed of all of the pagan elements that his father had brought into it. So they reopened the temple, they cleansed it. We also read that. Hezekiah, he led the people of Judah in a national act of repentance. Here's what he says there in chapter 29 of 2nd Chronicles. He says, our fathers have been unfaithful and have done what is evil in the sight of the Lord. And so he leads Judah in this act of national repentance and turning back to the Lord. And and another thing he did, he reinstated the Passover according to the word of God. Because the, the law of Moses ordered that the Passover be recognized and celebrated every year, but that hadn't been happening. And so along with everything he did, he reinstated the Passover according to God's word. But the thing that I find most interesting about Hezekiah's reforms is something we read in Second Kings chapter 18 verse 4. Look at what it says there in Second Kings 18 verse 4. And he broke into pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until that time, those days, the people of Israel had made offerings to it. And it was called Nahushtan. Nahushtan. Now, now what is this talking about? Well, uh, almost 800 years prior to this, when the people of Israel had been wandering in the wilderness on their way from Egypt, where they were in bondage and slavery, God set them free, and they were on their way to the promised land, the land that God had promised to give them. Well, in between, they were in the wilderness. And this took place during their time in the wilderness. There was a time when Moses had created this object made of metal, made of bronze, in the shape of a serpent. So just think about that. An 800-year-old object that was created by Moses himself, and they've carried it with them through the wilderness and, and through settling the land 800 years And this just priceless historical artifact. And Hezekiah takes it and he destroys it. He just smashes it into pieces. It's nowhere to be found today because he destroyed this priceless historical artifact. Well, listen. The story of why Moses created this bronze serpent is found in the book of Numbers, chapter 21. It's an interesting story. I encourage you, check it out and read it. It's found in Numbers, chapter 21. And and here's what happened. Again, during that time when they were on their way from Egypt to the promised land, as they're there in the wilderness, they developed kind of a bad habit. But it it was more than just a bad habit. They developed a problem where they were grumbling against the Lord, and grumbling against Moses. How many of you can relate to that, right? There have been times, okay, yeah, guilty as charged, right? I've done some grumbling in my life. Well, listen, the problem with their grumbling in God's eyes, it wasn't just that they were complaining. The problem with their grumbling is that it reflected a a lack of faith in God, but it was also bordering on blasphemy. Because it was accusing God. It was challenging God's character. It was saying, God, we don't really believe that you are good, that you are loving, that you do have our best interests in mind. We don't believe it. And God said, hey, hey, listen, what you guys are doing with your grumbling, it's not okay. This is bordering on blasphemy. This lacks faith. And he told them, you need to stop it but they wouldn't stop it. And he gave them several warnings over and over, but they refused to stop these things they were saying that were awful against God. And so in Numbers chapter 21, because of their sin, because of their refusal to repent, we read that God sent fiery serpents into their camp. That means poisonous snakes into their camp, and they bit the people. And because these were poisonous snakes, if you got bit by one of them, you were going to die. You're going to die. And so it tells us there in Numbers chapter 21, verse 7. I'll read it to you. The people came to Moses and they said, we have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he would take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. Verse 8, and the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. Verse 9, so Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. This bronze serpent lifted up on a pole, in our day and age, this has been, has become a symbol, even in our modern society, of healing and medical care. For example, next time you see an ambulance drive by, take a look at it. It has a symbol on the side of the ambulance, and on that symbol is what? Well, it's a serpent on a pole. That's a reference to this story in Numbers 21. If you look at the World Health Organization, they have this symbol on their logo, now, this symbol comes from the story in Numbers 21, where the people of Israel had sinned against God. This judgment had come upon them, but then God healed them by looking upon this bronze serpent that Moses had created in faith. Now we're going to talk about what that bronze serpent meant and represented here in just a minute. But just think about this. This priceless historical artifact created by Moses himself, they've carried it with them for 800 years. And Hezekiah takes it and he just smashes it into pieces and it's destroyed. Well, why did he do that? Well, it tells us there in verse four of chapter 18. He did it because at this time, the people were worshiping it. They were making sacrifices to this bronze serpent. The people of Israel had turned this bronze serpent into an idol and they had begun worshiping it and sacrificing to it. And, And Hezekiah took it and he said, no, no way. And he destroyed it. And I love what he calls it. Notice what he says. It says that he called it Nehushtan. Nehushtan. You know what Nehushtan means? It means piece of bronze. That's what it means. Piece of bronze. Listen to what Hezekiah is saying. I mean, think about it. He's saying this serpent that you're worshiping, that you've you've made into a god, you're making sacrifices to it. You know what it is? It's not a God. It's just a piece of bronze. That's all it is. It it, it wasn't this piece of bronze that healed your ancestors in the wilderness. It was God. So rather than worshiping this piece of bronze, you should be worshiping God. The people had begun looking to this piece of bronze to be something that it was not. They looked at it to be their God, but it was not. It was just a piece of bronze. They were looking at it to be something that it could never be. They were looking to it to be their God, their Savior, their provider, their helper. But it could never be any of those things. It could never do those things for them. Because at the end of the day, it was just nehushtan. It's just a piece of bronze. I think this is such a vivid picture of something that we often do in our human nature. And that is this. We often look to the things of this world to do for us, what only God can do. We'll look to the things of this world to be for us the things that only God can be. You know, that's the definition of an idol. An idol is something you look to for the things that only God can give this bronze serpent, it was great to have around as a reminder of what God had done, of God's mercy and God's salvation. But the people began to look to it as more than just a reminder. They began to look to it to do more for them than to remind them of God. They began to worship the thing itself. And I think in our lives too, you know, we can make idols out of things which on their own are good things, But they become idols when we look to them in the wrong way, when we look to them to do things which only God can do, to be something that only God can be for us. So, for example, I have a friend, and we grew up together. We went to high school together, and uh, ever since we were freshmen in high school, uh, he would always talk about how much he wanted to get married and have a family Right, we were like fourteen. You know, I was interested in like snowboarding and baseball, and he was interested in how much do engagement rings cost and how do I get a loan for a house? You know, so like, you know, park my car in the garage and be like a dad, right? Like that was his goal. He's fourteen years old, fourteen going on forty. It was the only thing he talked about, and he, he talked about it through all of high school. Now, listen, getting married and having kids is a great thing, but the reason he wanted it so badly was because his family life had been a disaster. He didn't have those things growing up, and he wanted them so bad. And there was this sense in which he felt that if he could just have a wife and a family and 2.1 children and a dog, that if he could have this idyllic suburban life, that it would fill a void in his soul. It would fix what was broken inside of him. And I just want you to think about that. If your goal in having a family is that you think that that these people and those things will fill a void in your soul, that they will fix what is broken in your heart, That's a pretty big expectation to put on other people, don't you think? That's a huge burden to put on your family. You exist to fix what is broken in me. You exist to heal my heart. You, this whole thing is all about me, in other words. And, And it's something that no person is ever going to be able to do for you. That's something that only God can do for you. And it probably won't come as a surprise to you that sadly and unfortunately, my friend has struggled in his relationships as an adult. Listen, just, just imagine two people coming together in a relationship. This happens so often. Two people come together in a relationship, and they're both looking to the other one to fix what is broken within them, to fill the void that exists in their soul. Two people looking to each other to do something that neither of them can sufficiently do. They're going to be what? They're going to be constantly frustrated, consistently disappointed, constantly unfulfilled.
0: You've been listening to a message by Pastor Nick Cady of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'll get back to the remainder of this message in a moment. We are open for in-person worship on Sunday mornings with services at 9:15 and 11 a.m. Come grow with us on Sunday mornings, online or in person at 9:15 and 11 a.m. If you have missed any part of this message or past messages, you can find them all at besetfreeradio.com. Now, back to Pastor
1: Nick with the remainder of today's message. In this relationship, why? Because they're looking to each other to do something for them that only God can do. And we can do the same thing with our children, right? Think about that. What a, what a burden it is to put on a child four or five years old to, to essentially communicate to them without words, but say, you exist to fix what is broken in me. You exist for me. Fulfill me. What a burden to put on a child. or We do it with our jobs and our accomplishments. We, we do it with our friends and our relationships. We do it with so many things in life. We look to them to give us the things that really only God can give us and to, to be for us, what only God can be for us. And when we do that, we're setting ourselves up for disaster and disappointment and distress. Listen, if you look to people and things to give you a sense of validation so you feel worthy of love and acceptance and approval, if you, if you look to these things for a sense of security, a secure future in the midst of an uncertain world, if you look to these things, right, to give you these, these things that you need, they can never do that for you. They will never be able to. But here's the thing. When you look to God to give you those things that only he can give, for example, when you look to him to give you security in the midst of an uncertain world, when you look to him for your sense of validation and unending, perfect, satisfying love, when you look to him to heal the wounds from your past, then rather than looking to people to do those things, to, to pour into you all the time. What it does, it sets you free that now you can begin looking to other people instead for how you can pour out into them because you've been filled up in those areas by God, the only one who can do those things for you. And once you've been filled up, you can begin pouring out. You can begin looking to others, not just for how they can serve you and what they can do for you, but you can then be free to serve others and begin pouring out into them from what God has poured into you. Hezekiah looked at this bronze serpent, and he named it for what it was. He said, you know what this thing is? It's nothing more than nehushtan. It's just a piece of bronze, guys. It's not God. You're looking to it to be something that it's not. It's just a piece of bronze. And he took this radical step of destroying it so that it wouldn't be a temptation for the people to worship it as an idol anymore. And I think that too is a good example for us of sometimes in our lives, in order for us to grow in our relationship with God, you have to be willing at times to take radical steps if necessary. You have to be willing to destroy that 800-year-old historical artifact, right? A priceless object. And I don't know what that thing is in your life that's perhaps holding you back rather than helping you in your pursuit of God. But there are times when we have to take those radical steps like Hezekiah took here. Well, we read in verse 5 that Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. So there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, neither before him nor after him. In verse 6, for he held fast to the Lord and he did not depart from following him, but he kept the commandment that the Lord commanded Moses. In verse 7, and the Lord was with him wherever he went out and he prospered. But listen, just because it says that the Lord was with Hezekiah, don't think that that means that Hezekiah didn't have problems and challenges and troubles. In fact, here for the rest of chapter 18, that's what we're going to read about. We're going to read about how Hezekiah had some pretty serious challenges in the wake of the reforms that he introduced. Let's get back to our sentence and look at the second part. So rather than looking to the things of this world to be what they cannot, or fixating on the difficulties before us. Let's talk about fixating on the difficulties before us. We're told in chapter 18, verse 7, that Hezekiah rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. And so if you, if you read there from verses 9 through 13, What it says, we're told that after the Assyrian Empire conquered the northern kingdom of Israel, then the Assyrians turned their attention then to the southern kingdom of Judah, where Hezekiah was king. So after they conquer the northern kingdom, then they start threatening to conquer the southern kingdom. And we read in verses 14 through 16 that when Assyria began threatening Judah, where Hezekiah was king, Hezekiah was scared. And so he did the only thing he knew to do, which was he tried to appease them by giving them all the gold and all the silver from the treasury of the nation and from the temple, right? Whatever was left, because this isn't the first time they've given away all the treasures. And so, you know, it's this, this basically how everybody has dealt with Assyria. Give them all your money and ask them, please don't hurt us. That's what Hezekiah did. It's understandable. Judah was a small kingdom and Assyria was a great empire with a massive military. So Hezekiah's immediate response when he looks at the danger, as he looks at the problem, the power of the Assyrians, his immediate response was to be intimidated and to be scared. But here's what's interesting. As this story goes on, I don't want to give away too much because we're going to look at it next week, okay? But as this story goes on, Hezekiah is going to turn his eyes from the danger of the Assyrians, and instead he's going to turn his eyes to the promises of God and the power of God, and he's going to pray. You're going to have to come back next week to find out what happens, okay? But here's here's my point. When we fixate on the enormity of of the problems before us, when we set our eyes on the enormity of the problems in our lives, rather than fixing our eyes on the greatness of God and the promises of God to us, it leads to anxiety and fear. Maybe the problems you're facing in your life, maybe they're huge and massive and difficult. I I don't know what, what you're up against, but I do know this. The good news that we have with God is this, that He is bigger than any of our problems. And although none of us knows what the future holds, we can know the one who holds our future in his hands. And you can be sure that he loves you and that his intentions for you are good. And so like with Hezekiah, if you will take his hand and walk with him, he will be with you in the midst of whatever challenges and difficulties you face. And he will use those challenges and difficulties even ultimately for good. And here's here's the last part of our sentence. It leads us to this. Rather than looking to the things of this world to be what they cannot or fixating on the difficulties before us, we look to Jesus, who alone can give us what we need for our past, present, and future. In the Gospel of John, chapter 3, Jesus talks about this bronze serpent, this bronze serpent that Hezekiah destroyed, that Moses had created. Here in the Gospel of John, chapter three, Jesus talks about, and here's what he says. He says this, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. What Jesus is telling us is that the bronze serpent was actually a picture, it was a foreshadowing of him and what he would do. Do you remember the story from Numbers chapter 21? Just like the people of Israel, we too have sinned and fallen short. We too have sinned against God, and as a result of our sin, we have brought judgment upon ourselves. And just as the the people of Israel were bit by poisonous snakes, we too have been bitten by the original serpent, the one who appeared to Eve in the Garden of Eden. And as a result of that bite, we have within us the poison of sin, which will ultimately lead to our destruction and death forever. But the good news of the gospel, according to Jesus, he says the good news of the gospel is that just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness and all who looked at it were healed from the poisonous venom of the serpent, in the same way, Jesus Christ was lifted up on the cross of Calvary, and all who looked to him will be healed from the curse of sin and death. Because on the cross, Jesus took our sin upon himself. The Bible puts it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says this, For our sake, He, that's God, made Him, Jesus, to become sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. What that means is that Jesus, the only person who ever lived a life of perfect obedience to the Father, Jesus, he took your judgment in your place so that you could be forgiven and healed and made right with God. And remember, what did the people in the wilderness, what did they have to do in order to be healed and saved? All they had to do was look upon the serpent with faith. In the same way, for us to be saved is to look upon Jesus in faith. What it means to believe in Jesus is to look to him in faith for the things that you need. Let me ask you today, what are you looking at? What are the things that you have been looking to for the things that you need? And I just want to encourage you, rather than looking to the things of this world to be what they cannot rather than fixating on the difficulties before you, let me encourage you instead to look to Jesus, who alone can give you what you need for your past, your present, and your future. Only in Jesus can you be forgiven and healed from your sins and your past. Only in Jesus is there the power to sustain you in the challenges that you face presently and currently, and to give you everything you need for what you're up against right now. Only in Jesus is your future secure, both in this life and in the one that is to come. And so rather than looking to the things of this world to be what they cannot, rather than fixating on the enormity of your problems, May we be those who fix our eyes upon Jesus. May we be those who look to him for everything that we need, both physically and spiritually, both now and in the time to come. And with your eyes fixed on him, let us be those who run the race that he has set before us to carry out his purpose and his mission for our lives here in this world. Amen.
0: been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have two in-person services on Sunday mornings at 9.15 and 11 a.m. And both services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via chat to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com. If you would like to support Bset Free Radio or the Ministry of Whitefields Church in Longmont with a donation, you can send a check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or give a financial gift online at whitefieldschurch.com.